Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Lena Jones Diamond Network Show. This is the place where you and your business are the stars. Now welcome your host, Lena Jones. Hello, good evening. How is everyone doing this evening? It's hot. I'm hot. <laughs> I'm very hot. I can't seem to cool off. It's driving me crazy. I know here in Virginia we had some cool days uh, last week. And one morning that we woke up, it was actually in the 50s. And you know what? I loved it. <laughs> I said, I'm not not hating on the beachgoers and stuff like that. I mean, it's good to have that good weather, but I like the the, uh, more of the tropical type weather when the humidity is not as high. When that humidity starts rising, man, oh man, that's crazy. Anyway, welcome to the show. I am your host, Lena Jones, and I am here to entertain you for the next 60 minutes. This is my Talent in 10 show episode. This is the show where I get to display different types of talent, and sometimes I may have an interview, sometimes I may have an interview with a director or a musician or things like that, even though I have interviews with them throughout the month, and sometimes I may do a little something like TEDx, like what I'm doing tonight. TEDx is uh, it's, uh, I don't really know what it is. <laughs> it's an entertainment platform basically, and they give uh, certain speeches. People give these speeches about pretty much any subject, and some of it is pretty helpful. Some of them may be comical. Uh, some of them um, may be serious and, and um, tag on your heartstrings and things of that sort, but the one we have tonight is about vacation, being it is hot and, and people are going on vacations and all this sort of stuff, and I can't go on one this year. I can't go on one. Well, not. I don't have the time, and I don't really have the money to go on a vacation this year. I took the time off. My my grandma, my grandmy, died uh, about a month ago, which I know uh, most of you know about if you follow me because I was posting on social media. And it took the whole week and some change to get stuff together. So that was kind of like my vacation time. Maybe I wouldn't have take, taken it on that exact date, but uh, but I would have definitely did it. That's, I definitely would have taken my vacation around that time. So I don't really have a vacation this year, so I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm going <laughs> to bring out a little green monster. But this uh, this couple on uh, TEDx, they sold everything. They decided they wanted to travel the world, and that's a bold move. You know how bold that is? I mean, I couldn't, right now, at the age that I am, I don't think I could do it. Maybe if I was younger and didn't really have the kids. Um, but when I was younger, I did have kids. I started my family at a very young age. But um, I think maybe then, when I was a little bit spontaneous, this was a young couple, and uh, relatively young. Um, and uh, they, they did this. They sold everything. They sold all their crap, as they said. And I love that word. You guys know I was saying on there, something got the crap. <laughs> so they sold all their crap, and they just decided we're just going to take off. So it's pretty interesting to hear. But in between that, I have some um, stories about cruise lines. I don't know. On um, Facebook, they have this cruise line thing where these people are on these cruises, and they they're taking these pictures, and everyone's happy, and they got on their bathing suit, and they with their, their significant other, and they're just happy. And uh, so uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to say that I got them 10 things that uh, people don't want you to know. Some of them good, some of them bad. But I'm not, I'm not a cruise person. Maybe I should be, and I'm not people that want to do it because my mom, you know, I, you know, when they tell me about where they're going, uh, like I have a friend of mine that's going to Bermuda, Bermuda, and um, 
a little while, about a week or so. I'm just like, wow, that's nice. I just can't have a hard time being out there in the middle of all that water. Just something about it. It's just something that I feel, I guess because I'm claustrophobia, claustrophobic, I don't think they would have a cabinet big enough. And the cabinet that are big, the, the cabinets that are big, I can't afford them. So I would be in one of the smaller ones. Uh, uh, someone was telling me, well, it's okay to get a small cabinet because you don't spend your time in the cabinet. You're kind of all over the ship. But late at night, you know, when, when you decide to go to sleep, you, you know, you're sleeping in a hut. I need space. I need space. So I haven't went on a cruise yet. The, the most I've been on the cruise is taking the ferry. I've taken the ferry from Norfolk to Portsmouth. That's it. That's my travel time on a boat. I have to do it. I say I have to do it, but then I do my little research. And after, you know, reading about these 10 things, these are things that I really think about in the back of my head before going on a cruise. And I know that doesn't help because it doesn't help you to get out there um, and experience it, but... Yeah, that's what it is. So uh, I'm gonna read a couple of that before we uh, before we actually play the uh, the, uh, the audio for the TEDx. I'm gonna talk about some things. But first, I want to talk about this group that I'm, I'm spotlighting this evening, the Right On Band out of Virginia, and um, they do music. They do some cover music, and they do their own thing as well. If you listen to the stream, which uh, is still going on, the stream still goes on. You just have to um, you just have to go into it. I haven't. I've taken it off of Twitter because it was driving me crazy, to be honest with you. I'm going on my Twitter account, and it'd be da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and it was just too much. But it's still going on. If you want to listen to that stream, you just go to ljdandshow.com and you can listen to the, the, the straight, just quick play and listen. I'm going to bring it back up, but right now I just got to give myself and my followers a break before they say she's driving me crazy <laughs> once you listen to the music. But I do. I love the music, and I need more music. So if you're an independent artist mm-hmm, and uh, – you have music that you want to promote, you want me to promote here on the show as a spotlight or in the music stream, definitely, definitely send it to me. And you can send that to me at music at ljdnshow.com. That's music at ljdnshow.com. If you want to hear the stream, that's ljdnradio.com. Speaking of which, I had put a new, um, I had put, I have put a new Facebook page out. I got a new Facebook page about, uh, I'm sorry. I got a new Facebook page for the LJ Vegan Radio. Uh, Now, I have been, people have been sending me things to be a part of that page, but I'm sorry, that's for entertainment. If you want to know what's going on with the artists, what they're doing, any information, any fun stuff about the artists, that's where you would go. And it's not only about artists, it's about producers and and things of that sort. All of that will be there on that page. Definitely be on that page. Oh, definitely listen to it. I'm laughing at myself because I did something that I just can't believe I did, but it's so typical me that I... that surprised me. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go to our first song, and then I'm going to come back with one of my one of my stories for you guys. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about the 10 things that cruises don't want you to know. Right after we hear this song from the Right On Band. I'm in music. I'm in music so much that I just don't even. This song is called Never Alone, and it's the Right On Band. And... Uh, I'll be back. I'll be back. I just have to get some things straight. See what I did. I'm going to tell you what I did. 
I like you. You guys already know that this is the Murphy Hall Studio. It can't happen, will happen. But you listen to me anyway, and I love you for that. I do. You know, just shows that, you know, you're you're okay with uh, not-so-perfect people. <laughs> I'm far from it. I forgot to upload all the songs. I thought I had them in there already. But they're on my radio stream, not in blog talk. So I'm going to try to do that um, to get them up and uh, playing. But I do have one of them that I'm going to play for you right now. And I'm going to be back while I try to work on my music. Here's the writer of band with Never Alone. Hold me tight up and tight of how I've missed you. No.
some shoes on. The ones that look like the ones they were in the movie, I'm going to get you, sucker. <laughs> that's, that's what they look like. It was, uh, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't know why it won't let me do that. But uh, we, I'm probably going to play some more different music because I can't seem to get can't seem to get the music uploaded on it. Um, but you can definitely listen to them on the R&B on Fridays, hip-hop and R&B. And then they'll do the stream on 24-7. stream will be back up. They'll be there, and you'll be able to listen to uh, And They're really, really good. And I'm just, I'm just not happy that it won't let me um, upload. It won't let me upload the file. <laughs> I thought I had them in there. Really, I did. But uh, I guess I didn't. I guess I did. That's my busy life. That's what you do when you. That's what happens when you're a one, one woman band show. Whatever I am, <laughs> it's hard to remember to do everything. And uh, that's what I do. Well, anyway, moving on with the show. This is about. I'm going to read this to you. This has come from uh, Elliot.org. Elliot.org says there are ten dirty secrets cruise line don't want you to know. So she advises that you listen to me. I don't know if you're going on a cruise, but it may be some things that you might that you might not know and you need to uh, look out for. Okay? So she says, what comes to mind when you think of taking a cruise on a big ship? Romance, excitement, entertainment, pampering, good food, rest, and relaxation. You may actually realize some of these dreams, but there's a dark side of cruising that you should definitely know something something about before setting the sail. Cruise ship entice passengers by advertising the safe, hassle-free, low-cost luxury experience. But guess what? The reality is that passengers often must navigate an ocean of potential sickness, danger, and debt ships that have policies and practices that oppose anyone's sense of morality. That's pretty thing, don't you think so? Let's count the secrets that you may know a little, that you may know a little or absolutely nothing about. So number one, ships have wars in jail. Hmm. In the likely event that you die on a cruise ship, your body will be entered in the shipboard morgue. The more consists of refrigerated storage space that most ships have to keep up to three bodies from, de- from decomposing until they reach their final call. Mm. Virtually all ships have a jail, a brig, that's what they call it, where, can, where criminals and suspects can be locked up and handed over to authorities on land. And that's good. So you get these crazy drunk people when you're on, this, on your cruise. You don't have to worry. They will go to jail. And that's a good thing. I like that. I like knowing that. That makes me feel a little bit better. That you, you know, cause some people, they see themselves out in land and, I mean, out in the ocean and there's no water around. They just think they can do anything. People are crazy like that. Okay. Number two, it says dirty bunker fuel. What is that? Would you like, would you, would you think the cruise industry would use a modern, efficient, fuel to move thousands of passengers through the ocean. Sorry, your assumption is incorrect. Instead, the vast majority of today's cruise liners use bunker fuel, a thick, black, inefficient, and extremely polluting petroleum product. How polluting? Bunker fuel has four to 5,000 times the amount of sulfur used in automatic gasoline. You guessed it. Bunker fuel is only used because Wow. Those poor fishies. Those poor fishies. Wow. That's really something. Um, Number three, third world labor. On average, 75% of the employees aboard a cruise ship come from developing nations. You should not be surprised to learn that cruise ships aren't regulated by American labor laws. 
So the employees are overworked and paid extremely low wages, sometimes as low as $400 a month. These workers are charged by crew agents who place them in, in their positions and forced to pay travel costs. Wow. The remaining 25% of employees from the United States and other developed countries are the ones you see entertaining and interacting with passengers. Wow. That's bad. Number four, disease outbreaks. I knew that. I knew, I knew I, that was always suspect with me with all those people. My place. A cruise ship buffet is an ideal environment for lurking diseases. One of these diseases is the norovirus, an incredibly contagious stomach disease, is the bane of the cruise industry. Outbreaks occur more frequently than you would think. During the first three months of a 2014, of 2014, outbreaks occurred aboard eight different ships, sometimes affecting hundreds of passengers and forcing some to disembark early. Now, I remember that one time, it was about a year or two ago, when they had that ship that was just out there, and the toilet conditions where everything was smelling like the toilet, it was horrible. They wouldn't let them come back into shore because there was a disease upon the ship. Man, you know what? I would have to, I'd be stealing uh, a boat in the middle of the night. <laughs> I would be like, uh, what do they call that ship that went down and they had those lifeboats? Yeah, Titanic, yeah, that was me. I'd be cutting that string out in the middle of the night. I don't want to be out here. <laughs> and then I'd be mad at the people who I listen to and say, oh, come on the cruise. Oh, you guys have such a fantastic time on the cruise. Okay. <laughs> Number five says unexpected charges. You've seen the advertisement for cruises along with vacations where, where your every need will be satisfied the one low price. The reality is quite different. There are many charges once you're on board, and it's not surprising that as much as 25% of the cruise industry profits come from these extras. Expect to pay extra for specialty meals, excursions from ports of call, internet access, beverages, and sometimes even fuel surcharges, among others. All of these extra expenses amounting to hundreds or even thousands of dollars will go on your credit card. You know what? I better check it. <laughs> check it when I find two coins. <laughs> Order nothing. It doesn't say coming. Here's my paperwork. Here's my paperwork. This is what included, included in my cruise. Okay. Number six, tax dots. Cruise line keeps their keep their prices low by dodging United States taxes. They sometimes accomplish this feat by incorporating in countries like Liberia, Liberia, Panama, and the Bahamas that have notoriously lax banking laws. Here's the loophole. The U.S. tax code allows shipping companies, which is exactly the way that businesses classify themselves, to incorporate overseas. These cruise companies take advantage of the benefits of the United States, such as the protection of the Coast Guard and infrastructure in ports. Some legislators want to level the playing field and are pushing for cruise companies to start paying their fair share. Yeah, well, that's not fair. Number seven, ship doctors are not regulated. That's not good, that's not good. We've got a backyard, a backyard doctor. Heard of a backyard barber? So you might have a backyard doctor. It is good that cruise ships usually have a medical personnel, have medical personnel on staff to handle an emergency situation that might arise. It is not good when you start looking into the rules and regulations that govern these doctors. Many doctors get their degrees from foreign medical school with lax standards and work in facilities that are inadequately equipped. Even worse, for passengers and cruise companies classify doctors as independent contractors, which means that the cruise companies have no liability for any treatment. You may receive 
In case of malpractice resulting from bad treatment, you would be forced to take the doctor to court in their own country. Inconvenient to say the least, especially for Americans. Because you know Americans love the suit. They love the suit. Oh, I'm going to sue people. So when they find out they got to go to another country to do it, I bet you it's not. Don't get sick. Just don't get sick. Don't get in any accident when you want to sue. If you're a sue-happy person, don't get in any accident when you're on a cruise or you're going to be SOL. Number eight, cancellation. That means sugar out of love. <laughs> Number eight, cancellation policy. Occasionally, an unexpected event forces you to cancel your cruise at the last minute, forcing you to lose the entire cost. This is because the draconian cancellation policies of many cruise lines requiring customers to cancel their reservation as long as 120 days before departure to get all of their money back. That's about four months. Wow. So if you need to cancel, you may be charged for hotels, shore excursions, and other amenities that you will never use. Believe it or not, most cruise lines, like Holland America and Norwegian, even treat name changes on tickets as cancellations. Wow. Wow. Number nine, waste dumping. Oh. What happens to human waste on the cruise ship? It just gets dumped into the ocean. After being treated to remove moisture, how much of it? An estimated 210,000 gallons of human waste for one week cruise. Mm. With thousands of passengers on board. This black water cannot be stored in holding tanks to be pumped out later as it can be with a smaller boat. Oh my gosh. We talk about the circle of life. That's the circle of life. Okay, so here it is. On a cruise ship, you've got 210,000 gallons of human waste for one week cruise of thousands of people. The fish are eating it. The fish are eating it. The fishermen catch the fish. They, <laughs> they cook the fish. Ooh, this is good. Good. We eat our own feces. I know that's not nice. <laughs> but it's true. I know it's not nice to say, but it's true. That's what we do. It's the circle of life. You know, it's the circle of life. Yeah. They dump the poop. The fish eat the poop. They, we catch the fish. We cook the fish and we eat it. Then we go and we poop again. It's a circle. It's just going around, 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 around. So don't let me say, oh, I won't eat human waste. I won't eat that. Nine times out of ten, I tell you this, but you probably ate some already. <laughs> and number ten, no law enforcement. Ooh, this is a good one. Okay. Unfortunately, bad things happen on cruise ships, despite the fact that they are very, are very controlled environments. If you're the victim of a crime aboard a cruise ship, you may get the justice. You may not get the justice that you deserve. Cruise companies are required by law to report incidents to the FBI, but the vast majority of accidents go unpunished because of the lack of law enforcement or security personnel aboard. According to the FBI, only 7% of sexual assault cases are solved. And the rates of sexual assault on cruise ships are 50% higher than on land. Having read all these secrets, it's a stardust that you may have associated with cruising gone. Now that you know this poorly publicized, this poorly publicized but important information, you can better inform consumer of the cruise product. You know what, um, from reading that, I won't be taking any cruises because, see, that's just nasty. <laughs> that's just, but here it is. Here's some good stuff about cruise lines. Okay. A cruise ship can be a little mysterious. Your choices are always spelled out in black or white. The more you cruise, the more you take 
pick up on unofficial secrets the crew finds don't tell you, which gives you more options. Let you save money and generally allow you to have better time on board. Maybe it's knowing what your cabin steward is able to bring or what the off-the-menu items are at the bar or dining room or perhaps a tip on getting a good deal on on-board purchases. So she says, Unlimited main dining is one. So here's a, here's a good point. So I'm going to name a couple of them before I go to my <laughs> You're not limited to one of each appetizer, entree, and dessert in the main dining room. You can order two entrees or three desserts if you choose. You can also order appetizer-sized portions of entrees as starters or order a few appetizers for your main meal. It's a great way to try new food. You're not when you're not sure what you like. As cargo, anyone? So, so I guess you people think they're limited to dining, but it's not. So you can do the uh, appetizer and the entree. Okay. This cheap or free room service. This room service is generally free, except for service charges on certain lines. Celebrity late night orders, bear. A four dollars and ninety-five cent fee, while all others are Royal Caribbean, excluding continental breakfast, and Norwegian, excluding morning coffee, continental breakfast, and orders placed by Haven Suite passengers cost seven dollars and ninety-five cent. Meanwhile, Carnival and Holland American offer for free room service menus in addition to their complimentary menus. It's recommended you tip your delivery purchase, but in in-room dining, it's not a splurge. It is at a hotel. It's not a splurge. It is at the hotel. I'm not sure what that one is. Breakfast options. For young, for your morning meal, you might have more options than just the buffet in the main dining room. Or in the region, it's no secret that Oceana's offer tasty made-to-order omelets and corned beef hatch. Yet many cruises or still don't know about it. Carnival, Blue Laguna, Iguana, Cantina, and Royal Caribbean's Johnny Rocket and El Loco Fresh on the Oasis ships are other alternatives for breakfast venues. Check your daily newsletter to see which restaurants are open in the morning. So, uh, <laughs> and that one is about critics for food. Cruise critics. I will post both of those up on social media. And I have to get back to my regularly scheduled <laughs> program. Um, that was interesting to read. Now, I can't play another song from the Right On Band because the, the application uh, studio will not let me upload that music. So I'm going to have to play something else. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play some R.J. Cummer and one of my favorite songs, Odi Mimente. Do you want to know? Do you really want to know? <laughs> and I'll be back. With your next talk. Oh, as soon as I... Here we go. El momento correcto, no. Que puedo ver No estás enamorado conmigo Por debajo de estas luces Que no supusieras ver La parte más fea de mí No es algo que habría elegido En probé El veneno más dulce I ever had, and I'm warning you to stay. 
can you look past destruction and the crumbling of emotion? It's not something I'd have chosen to flood your mind with poison. Was the moment right? to challenge you. I want to challenge you to answer a question. The good news for you is that this question is actually simple. The words in the question are actually simple. The bad news is for thousands of years, people have been trying to answer this very same question for themselves. People have dedicated their lives to this question. They've fought for this question, and sometimes they've given their lives in defense of this question. And the question is this. What does freedom mean to you? And I'm not talking about like a dictionary definition of freedom, right? I'm not talking about an academic or even an intellectual discussion about what freedom is. I'm talking about what does it mean to you? What does it mean in your own life? And I know firsthand that this very question has the potential to change your life because it's the exact question that my wife, Courtney, and I asked ourselves three years ago. 
It was a little bit of awkward timing for us to be talking about freedom. It was the night we brought my daughter Milligan home from the hospital. As new parents, we struggled for 30, 45, whatever minutes it was to try to get her to go to sleep in her new crib. And after that, we wandered like zombies out to the kitchen table. And as we sat down, I turned to her and said, you know, honey, I need to talk to you about something. <laughs> Which I've learned after five years of marriage that that's the most terrible way you can possibly start a conversation. <laughs> and I said, I want to talk to you about freedom. And you can, you can imagine what her expression was and what her response was. I can't repeat some of it here today. <laughs> but after we started talking more about it, we realized that the timing of the situation was actually in our favor. Because if there was one thing we were lacking at that point in our life, it was clarity. It was the ability to step back and analyze how we were living our life and whether that was congruent with what we really wanted. It started for us in our financial life. Our financial life had degraded, I guess you could say, into a simple question. And that's what item in our apartment do we want to upgrade next? Have you ever had this discussion? Do we need to upgrade the couch? Or maybe we should save up and get a new kitchen table. Should we switch locations and just get a better apartment? Or maybe let's just get a flatter TV and call it a day. <laughs> this was our financial life at that time. And then it should be no surprise on what our debt looked like. We were in our young 20s. And not even counting the tremendous amount of student loans we carried, we had $18,000 in consumer debt to start off our new marriage and as new parents. We had four credit cards. We had store cards. We had two automobile loans. We had a, a loan for the jewelry we had bought to get married. We had a loan from family. I used to joke that we were collecting loans, and we had one of everything except for a mortgage. And guess what? We were house shopping. It was the most hectic time in our life. I had just started a new business. I was working 80 hours a week. Courtney had just graduated college. She was starting a classroom as a new teacher. I mean, there couldn't have been a more hectic time in our life. And we were shopping for a mortgage? This didn't make sense. And as I stepped back and, and was given that clarity that night from bringing Milligan home, I saw it was because that was the next item on the script that we were living our life by. And it wasn't a script that we chose. It was a script that chose us. It chose us because we were unwilling to answer this question for ourselves. If you're not willing to answer this question in your life, there's somebody, a company, a person, a government, an entity, that will be more than happy to answer this question for you. And you'll wake up one day and realize that you're living life just based on a script. It goes a little something like this, and see if you guys can relate. Like in elementary and middle school, we're taught how to be taught, right? We learn how to, how to learn better. And we go on and we go to high school where grades start to matter. And if you get good grades through high school, you get to have the privilege of going tens of thousands of dollars in debt to go to college. In college, you do a lot of stuff. And at the end of college, hopefully you get this degree, this piece of paper, and with that comes the promise of job security, of a steady, decent-paying job. After that, with that job, you can get an apartment and fill it with stuff, and if you weren't able to attract a mate in college, you surely can now with your apartment full of stuff. <laughs> Two to three years later, you may have some kids, you may get a promotion, upgrade to a house, and you continue this cycle for the next 30 to 40 years of your life until you reach the promised land, retirement, when all your hard work pays off. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with this script, unless you don't want it. And we recognize at that kitchen table that we were living life based on this default script and we did not want it. So we said, what do we want? And that took some time to explore. But we figured out that we wanted a clean slate. We wanted to wipe away all the crap that was in our life, that was in our apartment, all this acquisition of the next thing, the next new version. We wanted to just wipe it all away. So we were going to sell all of our stuff down to two backpacks, what we could carry with us. We were going to pay off the $18,000 in consumer debt that represented our most irresponsible spending, and we were going to spend a year backpacking Australia as a young family. That was our passionate goal that we set. One year later, my wife Courtney took this picture. This is me and my daughter Milligan. She's three and a half now. She's one in this picture. We're sitting on a plane in the runway in Indianapolis, Indiana. The year between 
The kitchen table in this picture was a tough one. We had to analyze a lot of things and look inside at a picture of ourselves that wasn't the one we wanted people to see. It wasn't the one that we projected. We had to change a lot of habits and a lot of beliefs in order to get there. But we were able to do it. When we boarded those planes, we had two backpacks and full of possessions to our name, none of the $18,000 that we started with, and we were on our way to Australia. From Indianapolis, we'd head to Chicago. From Chicago to L.A., L.A. over in L.A., we'd head to Sydney. From Sydney, we went up to Cairns, Australia, which is a city that's just off the coast of the Great Barrier Reef. 28 consecutive hours of flying with a one-year-old. <laughs> I'd show you some pictures of what we looked like when we landed, but we made a marital pact that no living human would ever see those pictures. <laughs> but I will show you one more picture from our travels. I like to just sit up here and show you a slideshow, but I'm just going to show you one more, and it's this one. Also, again, taken by my wife, who you can see is a great photographer. This was off the coast of Townsville, three to four weeks into our trip. It's a little island called Magnetic Island. And on Magnetic Island, we were staying at a little bed and breakfast after taking a ferry to get out there. And we went on about a 30-minute hike. And through the hike, we saw wallabies running across the path. We saw a koala, mom and a baby koala in a tree. And it was like we were in a movie almost. And when we got to the top of the hike, we looked out over this isolated beach that was private. And, and it just really hit me. It's a feeling I haven't felt before, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I realized that we were living our dream. Now, don't get me wrong. There was a long list of things where we had no idea what we were doing. Even at this point, while traveling, especially with a kid, we were still learning and exploring. But for better or worse, for the ups and downs, we were the ones writing the script. We were the ones that were finally in control of our life. Now, I realize not everyone in this crowd wants to sell their stuff and backpack in Australia. That was our definition of freedom three years ago. It's even changed now. But what I do know is that you need to define what freedom looks like in your life. And you need to take steps starting today to realize that. Where does it start for most people? It starts right here with your crap. Look at the crap. It's almost overflowing, right? It's almost overflowing into the cars that are in the driveway. And it's, right now, it seems like a little bit maybe of an extreme example. But the more I think about it, how many of you have friends that have garages or spare bedrooms or junk drawers or closets that look not too far away from this? It's really not even that extreme. It's almost more of the norm. But I have a question for you. What happens when this person loses their job? What happens when they're offered a better job in a different city? What happens when they need to adapt, either physically, emotionally, financially, to any situation that comes up in life? The answer is, at best, they're restricted. They're held back. They're clogged. They're congested from adapting to any sort of change because of the amount of crap they brought into their life. But we do have an out. We have a little neat trick that we do if we have to make a transition with all this crap. We put it here. <laughs> do you realize we've created an entire multi-billion dollar industry around storing our old crap so that we can make a transition and buy new crap? <laughs> Think about it. Right now there's 2.2 billion square feet of storage space in the United States alone. This is mind-blowing. Every man, woman, and child could stand shoulder to shoulder just like this under covered storage space if we had to in the United States. So what's the deal? You know, why are we so obsessed with buying new stuff yet so reluctant to hold on to our old stuff? How have we bought in to this addiction? And I think it's because we've been sold a myth. And the myth is that acquiring things in our life in the pursuit of a, of a living environment filled with things is going to grant us security. Most of us take it so far even to say it's going to grant us happiness. And in the pursuit of these things, we start to identify with our things, right? You can tell who's successful and who's not. You can tell who's hip and who's not. You can tell whose garages look like the picture we had before and who's doesn't. So we start to really identify ourselves with our physical things. 
but the truth that we realized and that most people end up waking up and realize at one point in their life is that more stuff and certainly more crap in your life isn't going to grant you security. And it's certainly not going to grant you happiness. In fact, we found the exact opposite to be true. As Courtney and I went to sell layers and layers of our stuff as we were planning to go on this trip, I'm often asked a common question. And that question is, did you guys sell anything that you regret? Did you ever sell anything that you had to buy back? Or did you ever sell anything you were just disappointed and and you had to get back? And every time I'm asked this question, when I get to share my story, I try to genuinely think about it. I'm even thinking about it right now. And the answer is always the same. No. Not a single item. Not a single time did I sell something and be like, man, I regret that decision. Not a single time did I sell an item and go, oh, I feel so insecure right now. It was the opposite. As we sold layers of our crap, we've realized and we felt the weight being lifted off of us. We felt more flexible, more agile, easier to bounce back from anything that negative that was going to come into our life, and we were more free to capitalize on opportunity. We weren't held back by our physical possessions any longer. Not only that, but we started to look at other people and realize that these people's identity is not based on their stuff. Their identity should be based on their experiences. It's not about collecting expensive stuff or nice stuff. It should be about collecting rich experiences. And we should identify with people and identify with ourselves based on a series of experiences in our life, not what we own. But I want to talk to you a little bit more about the American dream as well. We're all familiar with the American dream, and it's not even that American anymore. It's all over the world. And there's this idea that if you work really hard, you're able to buy into this fantastic lifestyle, right? And that much is still true. And as much as I've outlined and suggested that consumerism is a problem for most of us, and it is, if the equation stayed this linear, stayed this simple, it would be easy to deal with, right? You want more money, what do you do? You buy less. You want to switch jobs or work less, you buy less sounds simple, almost too simple, and it really is. But over the last 20 or 30 years, we've played a little trick on ourselves. We've added in a piece to this puzzle that makes it much more vicious. We've found a way that we no longer have to work hard before we buy. We no longer have to work for that lifestyle. We can just tap right into it. And of course, you know what I'm talking about. It's debt. So we buy. In order to buy that fabulous lifestyle without working for it, we all go into debt. We do this at a young age. We do this at an old age. It's the norm. And debt has been around for thousands of years in some form or another, but we've perfected it in the last 20 or 30 years. We've perfected the daily use of it. We've we've perfected it for everyday activities. And what debt does is we're allowed to buy into that lifestyle, and our justification for this, and we're good at justifying it, is that we're going to be going to work, so we'll just buy into this lifestyle now, and then we'll pay off our debt as we work. So it keeps us going back to work. Well, that'd be great if we liked our jobs. Right? Most of us don't like our jobs. In fact, most of us strongly dislike our jobs. And we don't have the flexibility to switch because we got into debt. Not only do we have to pay the bills now, now we have to pay our debt. So we go back working longer and harder hours at jobs we already hate. Is there a better equation for stress on the planet than spending the majority of your waking hours working a job you hate in order to pay debt from a buying decision you made years ago? It's no wonder we're stressed out. It's no wonder we're overworked. And how do we deal with that stress? There's two ways. Most of us deal with that stress. We eat and we buy, right? We escape the daily grind by buying. We deserve it, we work hard. That's how we justify it. And we, some of us buy clothes, some of us buy gadgets, most of us buy vacations to warm places just to escape our jobs. But we didn't have money in the first place. That's why we're in debt. So how do we pay for this? Escape. With more debt. And you can see that this is a snowball. It's a cycle that has millions of you trapped, millions of us trapped, 
all over the world. My message for you today is that your life is too important to stay trapped in this cycle. Nigel Marsh had a TED talk in Sydney, and he summed this up much better than I can. He said, there are thousands and thousands of people living lives of quiet, screaming desperation, working long, hard hours at jobs they hate to buy stuff they don't need to impress people they don't like. (laughs) When I first heard him say this in his own TED Talk, it almost knocked the wind out of me. It actually almost hurts to repeat this because it's so true. But I want you to imagine. Imagine what your life would be like, how much more fulfilling your life would be if, starting today, you made a commitment to start collecting experiences and not things. I want you to imagine how much more opportunity and flexibility would be in your life if you would remove the stress and the weight of your debt. And I want us all to sit here and imagine how much more an impactful world we would live in if each and every one of us got to wake up in the, day, in the morning, not because our alarm clock went off, but because we were excited about dedicating ourselves to work we loved, to a job we actually enjoyed, to a business that was based on our passions. The problem is complex, but the solution is very simple. Remove the excess that is holding you back. Remove the crap from your life. Remove the daily reliance on debt from your life, and you'll be more free to start doing work that you actually care about. That's the path to security. That's the path to happiness. One more observation I have for you. Do you realize that we are the freest people in the history of mankind? Do you realize that you walk amongst the freest human beings to ever walk the earth What are you doing with that freedom? How are you utilizing this amazing gift that you've been given? It starts by answering one question. What does freedom look like to you? It's the answer to this question, your own unique answer to this question that has the power to change your life. It's your own unique answer to this very question that has the potential to change the world if you'll step up and let it. So my challenge for you today is to go out and find your answer to this question. And when you do, that will be an idea worth sharing. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you got something out of that. Either you want to pack up and get rid of everything, and travel to Australia or some other remote place with your family, or you think that what he did was crazy. I I don't know. I I assume he's still traveling, (laughs) or he's not because now he's doing TEDx videos. But I'm pretty sure that was a great experience for him. But uh, (laughs) I hope you enjoyed it. I did. I enjoyed listening to it. I love to hear stories like that where people just, take a risk and go off and just do their own thing, do something crazy, do something wild. Um, not all of us can do that, but if you can, that's fine. I'm going to do it. Do it right. Do it right and do it well. <laughs> that's what I say. I was trying to say right and well. I didn't know which one I wanted to come out first. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go. My time is up. I hope you enjoy my talent and taste. Please join me next week. And next week I'm going to have an interview with Jake Aldridge. Okay, have your schedule for next Monday. And be safe, stay cool, don't let the hot air get to you. Go to the beach, go to the water, even put a little miniature sized pool in your backyard if you have to. And sit in and get some get some cool breaks. I will be talking to you. Remember, I'll be back on Wednesday morning at ten o'clock with LJ Morning Sparkle, Life Improvement. Okay. Have a good day. Remember to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Bye-bye now.